Welcome to the Dream for Others podcast. I'm Naomi Arnold, an award-winning business and life passion coach, writer, speaker, and human rights activist. This show features inspiring conversations with those who use their platform, passions, and uniqueness to make a difference in the world. If you are big-hearted, open-minded, a lifelong learner, and are on a mission to help create a better world, this is the podcast for you. Now let's get started and dream for others. I am honoured to have Kumel Minhas on the Dream for Others podcast today. Kumel is the founder of Co-Media, a digital media consultancy, and the producer of Dream Girl, a documentary that tells the story of inspiring and ambitious female entrepreneurs. Dream Girl premiered at the White House in May 2016 and has screened at over 100 events globally. Kamal was named to Oprah's Super Soul 100 as a consciousness-raising leader. I remember making a pledge and supporting the original Kickstarter campaign for the Dream Girl film, and I'm about to run a fundraiser screening of the film in my hometown of Yapoon as part of my role as an Engaging Women Ambassador for Good. So I'm over the moon excited to have an opportunity to chat with one of the producers, Kamal, and learn more about her passion for improving the lives of women and girls and how she is currently progressing that passion and cause through the avenue of film and specifically through Dream Girl. I just know that we can learn so much from her about how to use our talents, passion and creativity to help change the world. Hi, Kamal, and thank you so much for making time to chat with me today on the Dream for Others podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited. As I was just saying off air, we we have a screening coming up of Dream Girl, so I couldn't wait to pick your brain on lots of things. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, and we're so excited about that screening coming up in a few weeks. Yay. Well, to begin, just to give a bit of context, do you mind just telling us a little bit about your story and how you came to be in the work that you are and how I guess your desire for what I know is really important to you is to improve the lives of girls and women and how that that came to life as well. Absolutely. I have always been a very passionate and socially conscious person, even just as a young girl. My parents are uh, were immigrants to Canada. They moved in the 70s and as I was growing up, um, I was exposed to a lot of different um, experiences that immigrant families go through, um, a lot of which pulls at your heartstrings and a lot of which makes you very aware of the social structures that exist in society. So that understanding and that kind of embedded knowledge that I grew up with really played an active part in me wanting to make a difference in the world and me wanting to have the work that I do directly impact the lives of people um, who I'm inspired by or whose stories really make me feel so engaged and so full and so of value when I make, when I do this work. And women and girls in particular, I, I my background is I'm Indian. Uh, both my parents are from India. And as you, as many people might know, others may not, it is a very patriarchal society. Um, and in India specifically, there is still 
so much work to be done to work towards gender equality and to really uplift the lives of women and girls. Um, in many places of India, women are still seen as objects. Uh, dowries are still paid and women are undervalued in a lot of ways. So growing up in a culture that is embedded with that kind of patriarchy really informed the kind of work that I wanted to do in the world. So growing up in that family, also really having a strong mother and, and a father who really encouraged me to go for my dreams. Um, it made me value the privilege that I do have uh, as an Indo-Canadian woman. And it just kind of unfolded that women and girls is, is exactly where I meant to work. I heard a quote recently and it said, um, what breaks your heart? And those are, that's the communities that you're meant to serve. And for me, when I hear the stories of women and girls and disempowerment, um, my heart is broken. And the only way I know how to fix it is through this work. Mm, what a powerful quote. Mm -hmm. Glennon Doyle Melton, she was in Brooklyn last week. And that was something that she said. And I was like, wow, that's a keeper. Yes, that's for sure. That's a pin up on the wall one. Yeah. Yeah. So because you had that those wonderful role models growing up and you had that passion from a young age, did you find yourself leaping into that type of uh, work or following that interest pretty much immediately? It really came in university. As I was uh, studying in my undergraduate degree, I focused a lot on femicide and rape as a weapon of war in the Congo specifically. And when you're kind of faced with stories that harrowing on a daily basis, especially as like an 18 to 22 year old, um, your worldview gets very, uh, it, it shifts and you kind of realize that there's a huge segment, 50% of the population and of that high percent, a very high percentage who are still um, under the poverty line and who whose lives can benefit from a lot of energy and love and time and focus. And so that kind of really hit in university. And then when I graduated, I start, I did a couple of odd jobs until I finally decided it was time to start my company, Comedia, which is a media consulting company. Um, and it was just a one woman production house for a long time. I would shoot, edit, um, create video content for clients. Um, it wasn't gender specific at the time. Um, and then I eventually ended up going to India with Coca-Cola and profiling the lives of women within their value chain who they were looking to uplift and empower. Um, and that kind of really showed me that there was a whole world um, of value out there of companies and organizations who were doing a lot of impactful work in this space. And it was around that time that the Kickstarter campaign for Dream Girl landed in my inbox. And mm. I knew without a doubt it was something I needed to work on. Mm. Isn't it funny how all the dots just fall into place like that without even pushing for them, really? Absolutely. Mm. So what what was it about Dream Girl that I know you would you would get asked this question all the time and it landed in my inbox as well and I leapt at, at contributing to the Kickstarter campaign but what was it that made you go beyond that and know that you had to do more than give some money Yeah I when I saw the Kickstarter trailer that Aaron my now co-founder and fellow producer made to have a call to action to create the film um, where she raised over $100,000 in 30 days, I just watched that trailer and I identified so deeply with the stories of the women uh, she had on screen. I was a female founder. I had started my company about a year and a half before and I was going it alone. And I 
you know, part of the reason I was on Marie Forleo's list, which is how it landed in my inbox, was because I was looking so desperately for a community of like-minded people, of female founders who were doing this and were in early stages and in startup mode and trying to figure it out and who could help me feel seen. And when I saw that Kickstarter trailer, I felt so seen and I knew I wanted to help other women feel the same way. Um, and I was hooked. So I, and I, the video production quality was incredible. The storytelling was incredible. So I knew I had found someone who was equal in passion, vision, quality, and caliber of work. Um, and I really just knew like from when I saw Erin at the end of that trailer, that she was someone I wanted to work with. So I emailed her a couple of times and was very strategic with what I was offering, which was both investment to, um, move the film forward uh, after the Kickstarter and also video equipment for the shoot that was coming up because I, I had purchased equipment for my company early on um, and also just an opportunity to touch base and we finally did and, and that was the beginning of the past two and a half years of our journey. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, divine timing, a lot of heart following by the sounds of it and a and big thanks to Marie Folio for the mention in her newsletter, which is how I came across it too. Um, like how many lives changed just from one email? It's it's really yeah. incredible to think about. And you were one of the original Kickstarter backers, so that's so incredible as well. Mm. And isn't it just that comment you made then around one email? Isn't that something that's nice for us to remember as well? Is email does make a difference? These emails that we send out that we think. I don't know, don't mean much or or is just another one in a series of a lot, they can they can move the world and change big things. Absolutely. You never know who you're going to impact. Another quote I love is you never know who's working on your behalf. You plant the seeds and then you just you you hope that they grow and oftentimes they do. So that day Marie planted a very big seed. Mm. Oh, you need to start a quote book, I think. <laughs> We're, we're less than 10 minutes in and there's already been two beauties. <laughs> I love it. They're my favourite. I love quotes. <laughs> oh, it's great. Me too. Now, I'm wondering, as someone who's so dedicated to creating positive change and, and having or making a difference in the world, I'm, I'm curious to know how you found film to be a mechanism for doing that, for making that impact and for progressing that change that you hope to see? Yeah, I think that, especially in this day and age, the way we consume media is very much embedded in how we engage with the world and what we end up doing in the world. And for me, film always played a very strong role in, in the woman that I became and have become. So I would, as I was growing up, like I would have this little TV with a VCR in my bedroom. And if I couldn't fall asleep, I would just put on this rotation of VHS movies that my sisters uh, left behind when they went to college. And those films really like soothed me to sleep. And just the content of them, a lot of them were female led films, feminist at the time, looking back, some of the storylines were probably quite problematic for like a 12 year old to be watching. But at the end of the day, they all very much uh, 
guided how I viewed the media because there was this rotation of very strong female leads who were putting me to sleep every day. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always was very visual from a young age. I loved photography. I loved creating short videos. Um, I did a number of competitions throughout high school around video production and then ended up, when I went into my journalism degree, ended up falling in love with documentary films. And I just think that it's such a distinct and full medium through which to tell a story. You have so many senses engaged. You have, you know, the sounds, you have the visual, you have even just such a strong pull at emotions when a story is told in a, in a really great way. Um, And I think it, it's such a powerful medium for social change. We've seen so many documentaries. I mean, you just turn on Netflix and if you're looking to be inspired, you, you have a plethora of choices. Um, you also have like such a high amount of content that's being created right now. So it's also sometimes hard to cut through the noise. Mm-hmm. I personally have been struggling to watch movies and television recently because when I start something like you can't unlearn when you realize the inherent sexism in an industry, you can't unlearn when like you're looking and you're like, wow, that's just an archetype of a woman. That's not a real, like fully thought out character, Mm -hmm. or this woman's just a trope in this story. And so it's kind of gone from something that really moved me and helped me as I was being raised through some, some hard times to this medium that now I've become so embedded in and as a creator now want to inform so many better films so Mm -hmm. that more young women can be soothed to bed by not just Mm -hmm. like these strong female protagonists who weren't really well thought out, but women who these young girls can identify with. So that's really the evolution of film for me. I think that it's such a strong medium in terms of how it engages the audience and the way that stories can be told um, and that there's a long way to go for women in film to feel better represented. Yes. And it sounds like it's it's still fueling you, but in a a different way to when you were that young girl. Absolutely. Now as a going from a content consumer exclusively to now a content creator and realizing what actually goes into producing films and how we can continue to do that. We have a lifetime ahead of us and how many films can we create that can leave a lasting impact for young women and girls. Um, it's becomes a, it, it's very inspiring when you realize how much agency you have as a creator. <laughs> There's an endless list of projects that can happen. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So would you would you have any advice that you'd be willing to share for anyone who's really passionate about a particular topic or issue or cause and they're thinking about jumping into the world of film and using it as a mechanism for progressing the conversation around that issue or cause? Um, is there anything that you would say to them? I'd say just dive in. Um, Before I met Erin and before we created our first feature documentary, I was creating YouTube content. I was creating content for other people. I, you know, dove in and I purchased camera equipment to make sure that I could, um, could do the, and create the way I wanted to while I waited and, and actively waited for the right project to come along. And it didn't mean that I was just dwindling my twiddling my thumbs at home, it meant that I was out on the ground continuing to create, even though I knew that what I wasn't working on was like my deepest passion project and my greatest dream, but I just kept creating. And I think that's the advice I'd give, especially on the film side, is it's such a technical Mm -hmm. field. It's such a a technical 
practice that you need the practice and experience to even just visually be able to see and understand the nuances of what can make a film great or what can make a video great. Um, for dream girl, I wasn't a part of the editing process or I was part of the editing process, but I wasn't the editor. Erin was the editor. She was doing all of the technical work, but because I had a background in editing and in film and documentary specifically, I was able to contribute in a really meaningful way to that process with her, both on the story side and on the execution side. So I'd say just keep going, dive in head first, and don't think that the barriers to entry are in film are really camera equipment and editing software. Mm -hmm. So it is a financial risk at times for folks. But if you really want to go for it, like dive in head first and just start creating. Mm, I love that. And do you need, if you want to dive in head first and just start creating, do you always need really expensive equipment and resources? Can you start out at a more basic level or is it something that you, you really should invest in if you want to make an impact? And no, you can start off. I mean, iPhones now are, have incredible video capabilities. So many vloggers that you see on YouTube are just using iPhones or point and shoot cameras. So that's a great point that you raise is you don't need to have the best equipment on the market. In fact, usually you don't need the best equipment on the market. And you can also rent the equipment when you're working on specific projects. So it's really just about creating and not letting barriers overcome you, not feeling like your camera isn't good enough not feeling like, you know, you don't have the highest skill set for editing. That will all come over time. But that's a great point you make. It's not about the quality of the equipment. It's about the quality of your work mm -hmm. and how passionate you are about making it work. Mm. Yes, that diving in and creating, as you said, and, and trusting the evolution and that the better equipment might come <laughs> along the story as it continues. <laughs> Now, I know that uh, Dream Girl is, well, it's probably been a huge component of your life over the past couple of years, but I know it's not the only way that you give back or you play a role in trying to progress change or improve the lives of women and girls. So I'm wondering if you could just tell us about some of the other ways that you do this uh, through your work or, or through other ways. Absolutely. Right now, Dream Girl is the largest focus for us. So it took us about two years to produce the documentary, shoot it, edit it, get it, get the film finished. And now we are in the total distribution phase of the film. And this process is also going to take probably about two years. And we're about four months into that process. Mm -hmm. So Dream Girl and making sure that as many men and women around the world see the film and are inspired by the film and its content and get access to a diverse like ex a diverse expression of characters on screen. I mean, four of the five main characters in our film are women of color, and that's something you so rarely see. And the industries that they have started companies in are so diverse from book publishing to 3D printing to angel investing and fashion to media production and oil the oil industry. So there's such a diverse range of women that you're seeing in the film and so real and authentic that right now for us, our greatest passion and mission is to get as many men and women around the world to see the film and be inspired by the content. And that's through our screenings model. So people can reach out and request a screening just as you have um, and host an event in your community, whether it's a living room screening with like five or 10 of your friends 
or a massive public event with hundreds of people. It's a great conversation starter. It's a great mechanism for being inspired. Um, we've had so many audience members just feel so uplifted and changed after seeing the content of the film. So that right now is is the core mission, is the core goal. But the other ways that I like to express and share and work with women and girls is through my writing. And I haven't been blogging a lot recently, but I actively blog and uh, have a really wonderful audience who engages with me online. And it's just such a wonderful tool to share in a moment and be authentic and real about the struggles and challenges of life um, as an entrepreneur and to really help others feel seen in the challenge, but also the joy of their life, um, especially millennial women. So writing is a huge mechanism for me. And I've also recently started doing Facebook live um, episodes. So every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time, I uh, host a Facebook live uh, with whoever's available, whoever wants to tune in. And we just chat around different issues like self-care or taking weekends and what taking a weekend off is like after (laughs) you haven't had one for a while. Or, you know, just working through different confusion that I've had just with some health issues that have come up recently. And uh, it's been quite a wonderful tool and outlet for me. And then in the future, you know, I'd love to write a book. We're looking at different future films that we'd like to create. Um, So Dream Girl is a catalyst for a lot of other work we're excited to do for women and girls. So you're not going to be bored anytime soon. (laughs) Definitely not. (laughs) But I do think some more sleep is needed. (laughs) Yes, I'm with you there. (laughs) Now, I somehow missed the Facebook Live. Is that on your own business, on your own, under your own name? It is. Yes, it's just on my personal page on Facebook. Yes. Ah, And how are you finding that as a different way of showing up through video? I love it. You know, I... I love YouTubers. I love following different YouTubers and vloggers. Um, It's very much like a hit and miss for a lot of people. There's lots of people who are into YouTube culture and there's a lot of people who aren't. So as I was looking at how I wanted to develop more video content myself, I knew that I wouldn't have time to shoot and edit and post videos weekly with everything else we have going on. But with Facebook Live, it's a live stream opportunity. My audience is, uh, my biggest audience is on Facebook and it kind of gives people the opportunity to tune in when they can um, or after the fact. And it's so, um, because people can comment and ask questions as they're watching and give you feedback right away, I find that immediate response very satisfying, um, both for me and for the audience, because they can just ask me on the spot and we can kind of be in it together. So I'm really enjoying the Facebook Live. Mm, it's a beautiful way to connect with them by the sounds of it. Absolutely. And them with you, obviously. Yes. Mm. And I love the the things that you shared before because so many of them, including Facebook Live, obviously, are things that anyone can do. You don't need to have a lot of money or even a lot of time, really. Everyone can can do a little something with writing and with Facebook Live and, and these types of things. Absolutely. It's, it's a low barrier to entry. And mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing, even with film production right now is it's such a low barrier to entry because we have such great cameras on our phones. Like I live stream, I just use my cell phone because you can't do Facebook live off desktops yet. So that's been very easy for me because I can be on the go and, and just have my little tripod and have a Facebook live session. So 
the barrier to entry is so much lower uh, that anyone can do these different these different activities. Yeah, and such a great way to find your voice and to explore and get curious and and I guess trust that evolution again and see what happens. Yeah, and to just play. Yeah, fun. Now, as you've probably guessed because of the name of the podcast and the type of questions I'm asking you, there's a lot of people listening who are also very driven and passionate and uh, are on a mission to help improve the world in some way. And many of them have a platform of some sort, whether that be a business or a blog or social media following or even uh, a part of communities. Uh, would you have any advice for them on how they can use what they have for good? And I suspect a lot of what we've already been talking about as some of the things that you're doing that they can do too but I'm wondering if you have anything to add there as well around how they can use their platform for good. I think the biggest piece of advice that I have is less about the tools but more about the content and it's for me the biggest guiding principle of my life is authenticity and being real and I find it so cathartic for me to be my real self with my audience. And I, you know, even calling it an audience feels strange to me because it's a lot of the people that I'm sharing with turn into friends, turn into people who, you know, I admire as much as they admire me. So it's really, um, a group of people I see as my equals and who I just genuinely hope my story can help. Um, and that's all I ever try and do. And I think that's why I like live aspects so much or when I am blogging it's not something that I've written a week ago that I'm posting today whenever I blog it's I've written it and I'm posting it immediately because Mm -hmm. that's just how I like to create and like to share and so I think advice that I'd give is stay true to you stay true to your the way you like to share and engage in the world don't force yourself to be someone that you're not the deeper you tune into who you are and how you like to create in the world and how you like to operate in the world, the sooner you will feel free and the freedom through your work. Um, You know, I, uh, lots of people talk about, you know, be consistent post weekly, like all of these things. And I totally get that. And it's something that I'm working on now with my Facebook live videos, but I couldn't be consistent with content that didn't feel real to me. Only now after I've discovered the medium that works really well for my style, am I able to be consistent. So don't beat yourself up if you're not able to do it the way someone else has. Uh, The way that you're meant to do it will show up and you'll know it and then you will be able to fly with it. Yes, biggest smile and almost, and I'm kind of bouncing actually. (laughs) I'm at my standing desk today, so I'm kind of like bouncing a little bit with excitement. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) And are there any ways that those who are listening, including myself, obviously, are there any ways that we can help champion the causes that mean a lot to you, obviously, for women and girls and Dream Girl and and what you were mentioning earlier about what is still happening and in in some areas of India? Are there there things that we can do to, to help here? I think obviously immediately what comes to mind is with Dream Girl, host a screening, uh, share the trailer with your friends and family and individuals who you think will be inspired by the content and bring the film to your community. Um, That not only is such an amazing way to start really important conversations in your community about female entrepreneurship and also 
why women are deferring from the private sector to start their own companies, topics around sexual harassment, around being kind of elbowed out from the workplace, not being respected as women within company cultures, really starting important dialogues. And here in the United States, for us talking about how there's no paid parental leave mandated in the country. And there's some really important topics of conversation that we explore, and we would love to share those with you and to start really important conversations in your community. So visit dreamgirlfilm.com slash host, and you'll have all the details there, all the pricing for how to host events. Um, and I think that's the most tangible way that the audience and community can, can help specifically dream girl. And I think mm-hmm. outside of dream girl, um, there are some really great organizations that are doing wonderful work globally um, care international plan international um, great work around women and girls the UN women uh, we're learning more and more about how they're the work that they're doing here in or they're headquartered in New York but the work that they're doing around the world and also grassroots organizations in your communities um, there's a local women's shelter back home in Ottawa that I love to support um, because it's not just about the larger scale impact that you can make but it's about how can you impact the lives of women on a daily basis and mm-hmm. uh, women who don't necessarily have access um, in your own community. There's a lot of work to be done on the home turf and abroad. So there's a lot of different ways to go about doing that. Mm, I love keeping those, I guess, two thoughts in mind, thinking about what you can do locally in your own area and also internationally and, uh, and abroad, as you were saying, they're both so important. And sometimes we tend to get sidetracked or focused on just one Absolutely. And as for Dream Girl, <laughs> I I just wanted to add in there because obviously I've I've just been going through the process of organizing um, a screening in our area and your team are just amazing. They make it so easy for the people who are wanting to to host it. So if anyone's listening, <laughs> definitely go jump over and and check it out and you can even do what we're doing and use it as a a fundraising opportunity to raise awareness as well for one of these groups or causes that you're passionate about that's an option too absolutely and I'll give a shout out to Diana and Kylie who are are the two members of our distribution team who just love engaging with our hosts and making sure the events are wonderful and making sure everyone feels seen and excited about their events and bringing the film to the community so I'm so happy that you've enjoyed and loved the process. That means so much to us. Yes, I do. Just about every time I get an email, I have the biggest smile on my face. And it's not like <laughs> it's not like they're cracking jokes or anything. It's just the, the energy that that comes through in those emails and that enthusiasm and excitement. It's just that experience in itself is really exciting and uplifting, let alone the film and hosting an event and inspiring and empowering your your community and and everything else that comes along with that. It's just a real treat. I love it. Yay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for making it so great for us, all of you. (laughs) It's been a long process and that just like that one statement, I love it, was full of a lot of different things, but just this makes me so grateful. It's been a long, long time coming and a long process. Yes, well, that leads to my next question because... Any game changer out there 
there's always a long a long process involved behind the scenes and and you and Erin were were recently awarded one of um on the list of one of Oprah's hundred game changers so congratulations thank you so much yeah it's huge and I would just you know that's one of those words game changer that's popping up a lot lately and well maybe it has been for a while but I've been seeing it pop up a lot lately and I'm just curious to know again around how how do you feel about that word what does it mean to you and how can people be game changers is it being their authentic self and showing up as they are and the things that you were talking about as being really crucial before or is it more than that I'd say that for me, the Oprah acknowledgement was t- so incredible for Aaron and I, and we were mm-hmm. going through um, a tough time at the time. I and I, I saw that this is one of the upcoming questions, <laughs> but I'll bring it up now. Yeah. Um, a couple of weeks before we got the news that we were on Oprah's Super Soul 100 list, I was actually diagnosed with a rare but very treatable form of cancer um, back in March, and so for us, it was. It was such an amazing acknowledgement and personal accomplishment and to, you know, be able to spend time with the other game changers and be in LA and get to meet Oprah and share our story with her. It was all remarkable. It was a very important moment and special moment in our lives. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that that acknowledgement is, was like the most significant or important part of our lives. Uh, It really, or what I, I think constitutes as, as like, that wasn't what made us game changers or mm-hmm. like even saying that we are game changers, um, is something like that. I not necessarily struggle with, but that I wonder about a lot of what, what like, exactly what you said, what constitutes a game changer and how do we quantify that and qualify that? And I think for me, the most important thing is just loving people wholeheartedly and fully in your life and really, caring about them and being with them and sharing your true self with the people in your life who love you and who will be there for you in those hardest moments. So I am cancer free now, which I'm very grateful for after a number of surgeries and treatment. And so this has definitely been a very tough year. And I think what, what for me, I would encourage others to do to be game changers in their own lives is to just really invest in the people around you make sure that you're really well supported um, because the more that you support the people around you and are present with them, the more likely they are to be there for you when you need it, when you need it most. And I think that's what's really game changing in the world is how we can love one another and how we can empathize and support one another. Yes, that's so beautiful and so well said. I wonder, as it sounds like you've had a bit of whiplash <laughs> over the past <laughs> couple of years with with experiences of cancer and then obviously a very full full life and work with Dream Girl and I'm sure many other things that you're juggling behind the scenes. How how have you gone with with doing that? How have you gone with taking care of yourself and and progressing a cause that matters to you and dreaming for others all at the same time? I know that's something that many big-hearted and and mission-driven people struggle with is finding that balance of taking care of themselves and others. Is that something you've struggled with? And how have you gone about, I guess, trying to balance those two things? Absolutely. I feel like there there is no balance. I mm-hmm. feel like some days are better than others in terms of how many 
pieces I can juggle. Mm -hmm. But some days I can only hold one part of the ship. Only one part of the ship stays afloat, I suppose. I'm not very good with analogies. But (laughs) um, it's like an everyday choice and an everyday struggle of what today am I going to be able to accomplish and what today am I going to be able to focus on? Is it going to be work? Is today going to be a day where I have to sacrifice a little bit of my well-being and a little bit of my health to help us move Dream Girl forward? Um, Is this going to be a a couple of weeks post-surgery where even my mental health is declining? Um, And what, how can I show up for myself in those really tough days? So I I don't think that there's, I've absolutely struggled and I don't think that there is a one size fit all approach for how we can balance and maintain and continue our lives forward with integrity in all aspects of our life from career to well-being to um, work to love to relationships. Um, And I just think it's a daily practice. And again, the more you love the people in your life, the more willing they are to walk that path with you and all of its confusion and heartache and toughness and to forgive what one day might have been a bad day and to Mm -hmm. move forward and celebrate with you on what can be a great day. Um, The more we communicate with the people around us, the better we are and the more resilient we become together as we move forward. So there's never going to be like a perfect balanced day. I think that that's a myth, even Mm -hmm. when it comes to like the granular, but there can be great moments in between where we don't judge ourselves for not doing enough, but just kind of be present with how much we can do. And I think that's been a big teaching that cancer has given me is just what can I do today and being proud of that. Because so many people as well find it so frustrating when they are unwell and they're, they're going through cancer or a chronic illness. I've had many clients who who have been experiencing cancer or chronic illness and they just find themselves getting so frustrated because they want to do so much to progress these things they're passionate about but their body is just screaming at them saying no you need to you need to rest and take care of yourself you can't do this unless you do you know until you take care of yourself unless you let your your loved ones and those special humans in your life um, help you and it can be really tough for them. It's a real attention, I guess, those two things. Did, did you, have you felt that as well? Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, after each of my surgeries, I was out for two to three weeks, the last one, almost five weeks. Mm-hmm. So when, but when you're that vulnerable and when you're that broken in a lot of ways, because surgeries and, you know, immediate sort of, um, more urgent like body function issues. It really takes away any opportunity to even think you could do something else. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think the urgency of what my body was going through superseded everything else in my life. And I was really grateful to have Aaron as a co-founder to have Diana and Kylie, um, take up the reins of distribution, while I had to be down and out after my third surgery. And I just think that, you know, there's no, there's no real advice I can give in terms of how to convince yourself that you should be like, you should never be having to do more when you're dealing with an illness or something like this. But I think because we compare ourselves to when we were healthy or when Mm -hmm. we thought we were healthy, it's very hard for us to separate 
our former life from the life that we exist in now. And I, I deal with that every day, but also just being mindful, like meditation has become a huge part of my daily practice and a huge part of my acceptance practice of knowing where I am and how I can operate now in my life and that it's going to be a slow ramp up. Um, from the outside, it's like, wow, like you guys premiered at the White House. You were on the Oprah Super Soul list. You finished a film. You're, you've had a hundred screenings and all these things. And it, but on the flip side of that was, you know, a lot of struggle and a lot of pain mm-hmm. and a lot of hard moments and hard days that we had to work through and create space for. So there's always going to be enough time. Um, and for some people, the immediacy of their illness makes it so that there isn't enough time. So even saying there's always going to be enough time isn't correct. I guess what I'm trying to say is that you just never really know and you just have to be kind along the process and take care of yourself in a way that allows you to be kind. So giving yourself enough rest, giving yourself enough water, nourishing food, um, the activity to the point that you can. And then uh, when you're nourished, giving yourself to work and giving yourself to others. Um, When you're dealing with an illness like cancer or something else that really can affect you on a daily basis, um, there's no room for self-hatred or negative self-talk or low self-worth, but it exists. It's a big thing. Depression such a linked so much with a lot of these illnesses too, because mm-hmm. it's such a psychological process. So um, there's no like clean, neat way of tying a bow on this, but just really letting yourself go through it daily, being kind and just making sure that you are communicative and loving with the people around you, even when it's, it's really hard. Uh, to love yourself. And I love that you acknowledge that there isn't a a neat bow because we always try to put one on there, don't we? And yeah. and there just isn't. And people wouldn't resonate with that anyway because that's just not life. Not true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I also have really, I guess, admired how how you have you have shared the the not so glossy parts, I guess, behind the scenes, and when you when you can, you have been been open with sharing these things, which isn't for everybody, but mm-hmm. you have. And so I know Erin has as well written articles about the experience and of you experiencing cancer and with the whole project happening at the same time. And I mean, they're they're big. Uh, things to do as well, putting yourself out there in that way. Oh, oh, for sure. It's every time I post, there's a bit of a vulnerability hangover or like an Mm. emotional hangover. But for me, it's such a process of feeling, experiencing, writing and releasing or photographing and releasing or speaking and releasing. It's such a part of my my healing process. Mm. And I accepted that early on. And I feel like, you know, like I said earlier, just around content creation, do what feels right for you and no one else. And for me, people were saying, you know, you're sharing too much. Like some family members were concerned for me and, you know, worried that, you know, showing the heaviness of it would tarnish my reputation in one way or another. But I'm like, well, I don't know how to be anything else but real about this because it, it hasn't been sunshine and rainbows, even though things may look really glossy on the outside. So I think it was really important for me to understand my own reality, because Mm -hmm. that can also be really hard for an individual when 
things are going quote unquote really well uh, professionally, but things are falling apart for you in your health wise or relationship wise or different things. Like you feel like you have to keep a front on and, and, you know, wear a mask every day. And I, I genuinely don't think that's very healthy um, for me. So mm-hmm. sharing the low points was very important for me in terms of just maintaining my sanity, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same with me as well. Actually, I guess that's why I resonate with it so much. I too, it's part of my healing process, I guess, and resilience toolkit is to mm-hmm. share these things openly. And I haven't experienced cancer myself, but my dad has terminal brain cancer. And he, mm. when he was diagnosed, I wrote about that and our experience with his permission. And it was just people the same would say to me, you're sharing too much and, and you don't need to share that. But it just felt like the thing to do and it felt right for me. And I know that other people found it helpful as well. And that in itself just felt nice I guess when you're going through such a a difficult time being able to see some some beauty there and the (laughs) horribleness is is nice yeah because I feel like you know I also heard this at the event I went to last week is pain births love pain births resilience so we want our children to be resilient but we don't want them to experience pain well, that's really unrealistic. Mm-hmm. So even when my mom sees me going through what I went through, um, there's a part of her that knew it was it was to make me better and it was to make me stronger. And it didn't make it any less hard or difficult for us to walk through. But it definitely, you know, I, I knew that it was happening. And I don't even want to say it was happening for a reason, but it what it's my reality and owning and understanding that that is my reality and not needing to numb it or to have it be anything else but what it was was and accepting that is still something that I'm processing and going through Mm -hmm. Um, I look back and they say that once you're a survivor you get the news that you're cancer free is when a lot of the psychological trauma and hardship of it really comes up because you're just in survival mode for so long Mm -hmm. so just kind of working through those pieces but being honest with myself about it and don't get me wrong I'm not sharing every part of this process with the world that's also like not my jam Mm -hmm. but the things that I feel like I need to express I express and the things that need to be mine I keep as mine and my meditation practice and the support networks that I have um, really help me stay true to my intuition so that I can guide myself through that process yes and is it I think Brene Brown says there's vulnerable and then there's stupid vulnerable or something exactly. along those lines. <laughs> yeah. So I just kept thinking that when you were talking about what you share and don't share. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So I am also wondering if you don't mind if you could share whether there are any people or organizations or things that inspire you and and motivate you to do the work that you do and to to keep trying to find ways to make an impact on the lives of women and girls you know my mom has to be a big one of those um she has lived a very full and tumultuous life and just seeing her resilience and how she rose and what she experienced both in Indian culture and through patriarchy inspires me every day. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also say our team. So Aaron, Diana, and Kylie, just seeing how they showed up for me when I was at my lowest, but also how we've kind of risen together um, after I got the news that I was cancer-free and when I could move back to New York um, has been very inspiring and also very such a needed reminder of what we're capable of if we just decide to show up for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and the you know our company is is so important to us and Dream Girl is so important to us and. I think what continues to inspire me every day is that we have the opportunity to inspire and the content that we've created is inspiring people all over the world. Um, we've booked over a hundred screenings in eight different countries and we want to have over a thousand within the next year and a half. So we're well on our way and we have a lot of work left to do and we have a lot of inspiring left to hopefully do. Um, and I think that the fact that we have the privilege of being able to inspire and uplift others is what motivates me every day. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So if you're listening, jump on and help with this screening yeah. and <laughs> with spreading the word and inspiration yeah. around some more. <laughs> yeah. Visit dreamgirlfilm.com. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. And I will share that link in the episode notes as well. So people can head there and find that. And I'll share some of the other links that you mentioned as well. Like I think it was Care International and Plan International, UN Women and all of those types of people as well. And yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for making time for me this morning, I think for you. (laughs) Uh, to chat to me about dream girl and all the things that inspire you and and what you've been going through over the past couple of years and how you've still been so incredibly inspiring and game changing (laughs) and world changing with all of that going on I can just imagine the full power that you have when you're 100% healthy and well it must be wow watch out world (laughs) Thank you so much for having me today and for that plethora of compliments. And I so appreciate that you thought of us for this. And I can't wait to see how your event unfolds and see the impact that's going to come. And also, it's such a privilege to be able to share my story with your community. This has been really wonderful. Thank you for listening to the Dream for Others podcast with Naomi Arnold. For episode notes, further inspiration, and access to my free resources, please visit NaomiArnold.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to please subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, and share it with your friends or peers. Let's continue to dream for others, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.